You're listening to the Drumming News Network, your one stop for drumming news. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Drumming News Network, where I follow up on a few of the previous week's stories. I'm your host, Paul Rogney. Admittedly, it has been some time since I released a regular episode, actually dating back to October of 2022. Since then, I have released a couple of episodes where I interviewed a few drummers. The first is my discussion with Dream Theater drummer Mike Mangini and his co-author of his newest book in his Rhythm Knowledge series of books, The Ultimate Stickings, and that co-author is Sean Crowder. January 13th, I had the opportunity to speak with Phil Ehart of Kansas. In this interview, I learned a lot about his early days, how he and in early formation of Kansas performed with the Doors on their very last performance with Jimmy Morrison. Jimmy? Jim. Whatever. We also talk about how Neil Peart tried to have Phil coordinate a Slingerland endorsement for him. Slingerland had refused an endorsement to Neil several times. He felt that Phil, the current endorser at that time, was his last chance and, well, you know, the rest of the history. It's a fantastic story. Phil had a ton of great stories that I think you'll enjoy uh, listening to in this episode. In February, I released my interview with Black Sabbath D.O. John Lennon drummer of Vinnie Apice. Now remember, it's Apice because Carmine, a piece, is a piece. And Vinnie thinks if you say a piece, it sounds like a piece of pizza. So never call Vinnie a piece is Vinnie Apice, just so you know. Again, another fantastic discussion with him about his career and drum stories in general. My discussion with Vinnie and Mike are available on YouTube as well in a video form. There's a link on the Drumming News Network website that will take you right to our YouTube channel, or you can search on YouTube under Drumming News Network. The Drumming News Network is going through a lot of changes and growth. We got a little derailed for a time, but hopefully we'll get back on track with our weekly or close to weekly updates. Last November, I was invited to attend the opening event for DW's week-long 50th anniversary celebration. So many top players and endorsers were there in attendance, and I had the opportunity to take the time to talk with so many of them, including Terry Bozio, Chad Smith, Thomas Lang, Chad Wackerman, Sheila E., Russ Kunkel, the list goes on. I ran into a whole bunch of old friends and made a whole bunch of new ones. It was a great, amazing event. I was also able to meet John Good and Don Lombardi. Now, this is the first time I met them face-to-face, and it was really exciting for me because I remember a time before DW uh, really made their impact. I'll say probably in the late 80s, early 90s is when they really came um, to a point where they really influenced the market. Up to that point, drums were, were kind of marketed and sold in a different way kind of more about strength uh they brought a whole new concept to manufacturing the drum and how to market the drum from that point on i think most of us saw how the market changed how they were selling drums it was it was pretty remarkable they have achieved so much in their time so it was a great celebration coincidentally both roland and dw were celebrating their 50th anniversary in 2022 Visiting the event as a representative from Roland was Chief Inventive Officer Masashiro Minowa. I had an opportunity to talk with him, and later on we did a formal sit-down uh, interview. But we discussed the acquisition, what it will look like, and how he perceives the future. At a later date, I will be releasing our sit-down interview. But for now, I will touch upon a few points in our discussion that I've not seen posted anywhere about 
the acquisition. I asked him about the size of the acoustic drum market versus the electronic drum market. He said that the acoustic drum market is three times larger than the electric drum market. But he believes that in the future, the electronic drum market will be much larger than the acoustic market. As for future growth of electronic drums, he gave an interesting example. Maybe 30 years ago, he said, no one believed that the electronic market could actually be larger than the acoustic market at any time. And now the electronic piano market is much larger than the acoustic piano market. Let's take a quick look at this. Currently, Yamaha owns 23.9% of the piano market. Roland is second at 5.7%, and Kawhi is at 5.5%, and Steinway and Sons is at a 1% market share. Finding accurate global stats is difficult, but I can say that the U.S. sales show that acoustic sales are roughly 90,000 units per year, whereas the electronic piano sales uh, that are considered 88 keys is about 240,000 units per year in the U.S., and that market is significantly growing. Impacting the disparity in markets are the acoustic secondary costs. General maintenance is high. It's recommended that you have your piano tuned every two to five years. That generally costs anywhere from $250 to up to $1,000. More of an average cost of $500 to $1,000. Another contributor was the noise, the size, and refurb costs. It's a sad day when we look at classic Steinway pianos as being too expensive to refurb and they're choosing to throw them away. Now, as we know, what makes a really good instrument a really good instrument is the aging of the wood. So now we're throwing away perfectly good pianos because the cost is not worth the value of the actual physical instrument. As I'm sure you've heard the same arguments as they are attached to drums, including size and volume. Heck, I used to receive complaints from practicing my practice pad when I lived in an apartment. This could also reflect a change in how modern day culture looks at music. The growing market of electronic drums is a great reflection of our society as we're becoming more reliant on electronics, our younger generation is more used to video games, etc. Uh, this is actually a change in how modern day culture looks at music. Um, let me give you an example. I was hired to film a concert with my production company a number of years ago, and I have to say it was odd. <laughs> they were expecting a sellout. That term now doesn't mean or have the same connotation as it did for live attendances from the 70s through the 90s. When I was playing, in that club, bands would have sellouts. That means you can't move anywhere in the club. And people were hanging outside the club just to hear and maybe grab a little glimpse of the performance. So getting back to what I had to film, it was a sellout crowd of maybe 100 kids <laughs> at a metal fest of the top area bands and a couple international bands. The crowd interaction was minimal, but the oddest thing to me was that each guitarist entered the stage with an effect box and their guitar and a cord that would directly plug into the board. No amps, no nothing. And it was just, it, to me, it's just very odd. And I, I asked him about it, and he goes, well, that's all we need. Well, you know... <laughs> I grew up in an era where excess was best, right? But when, when you perform, part of the performance is also you're performing. You know, you, you, you dress weird, you know, and you bring a lot of gear out there and you, you, you know, flash and smoke and whatever else. There's none of that going on anymore. It's just really odd to me. And then the drummer had nothing more than a four to five piece drum set. A couple cymbals. Literally all the bands looked and sounded alike. It was strange to see performances without gear. I don't know. It's just 
interesting is we're seeing so many of these great bands and artists that we're seeing are disappearing. I've often wondered who's going to be replacing them. And I, it doesn't, I can't really see what the next wave is going to be. Now, this isn't a criticism. It's just an observation of how technology not only entertains, but augments how people perform and write music. Marchio went on to say that the acquisition was really a tactical one, that it allowed Roland to expand its markets uh, that, that we're not currently in. It allowed them access to high quality and the ability to, in the future, offer hybrid acoustic and electronic drums. You know, this is where I immediately envisioned Neil Peart's Roland electronic drum set where DW replaced the V-Pro shells with the DW shells that match the set. So it makes complete sense. Now, DW is announcing a new technology, and I'm not sure how that'll play with Roland. They introduced it at the event, but what was cool is that Roland did not get in the way. They let DW do their thing. So they're still going to let DW market itself separately and maintain a ma the manufacturing in the U.S. So everything will remain the same. I hope to release a video of this event in the future. Um, I, you know, I haven't had a lot of time. Plus, I'm, I had some uh, interesting inter interviews, and I uh, have to get permissions. <laughs> so <laughs> permissions haven't been approved yet. So we'll see what happens in the future there. Drumming News Network is honored to be chosen as the 2023 Hit Like a Girl contest media source. This is a total honor, and we are excited to further promote the growing prominence women are having in our drumming community. So that's enough of a catch up. Let's get into the news. Recently, we posted a story that two snares of the late and great Vinnie Paul of Pantera fame are currently on sale at a price of $61,000 each. Yep, you heard me right. It was August of last year that we posted an unboxing video from the winner of the snare drum auction held from the Vinnie Paul estate. In that, there were a number of snare drums and a few additional items, but you can watch the video at the story. To put this in perspective, historically, an authentic Buddy Rich drum set would sell for between thirty dollars and $50,000. I'm sure a set like that would sell for more now. It's Buddy Rich. A drummer that has inspired countless drummers for nearly 90 years. Going back as far as 1932, at the age of 15, he was the second highest paid child entertainer behind Jackie Coogan in the 1930s. If you're not familiar with who Jackie Coogan is, he rose to fame acting in the Charlie Chaplin 1921 film, The Kid. And of course, he is very well known as the actor who played Uncle Fester in the Addams Family TV show. My whole issue with the prices for these snare drums are that the premise is that the money is going to be earned to help bands pay for studio time they normally couldn't pay for. It's that studio that won the bid. So either way, if they're doing it for profit or trying to entice the sale of this object, uh, these snare drums, either way, the money goes to the studio. Once again, an item that would mean the world to a fan is being priced out of their reach. Even at one-tenth the cost, $6,000, it would still be a large amount of money, but a bit more attainable to someone who could cherish that item. Jim Gordon, famous of the Wrecking Crew, Eric Clapton, George Harrison, Tom Petty, and more, has died at 77. What a sad story. A once-gifted, in-the-man, and promising drummer, eventually convicted of murder, ended up passing away alone while in jail. 
Jim played on some of the biggest hits of the 1960s and 1970s. He was a protege drummer to Hal Blaine, and at the height of his career, Gordon was reportedly so busy as a studio musician that he flew back to Los Angeles from Las Vegas every day to do two or three recording sessions and then returned in time to play the evening show at the Caesars Palace. His story takes an extremely tragic turn when, on June 3rd of 1983, he attacked and killed his mother. After his arrest, he was diagnosed with schizophrenia. Leading up to the tragic event, there were out-of-character violent events, and later it was found out that he had been hearing voices, including his mother's, which compelled him to starve himself and prevent himself from sleeping, relaxing, or even playing drums. Further making this even more tragic is that his physicians misdiagnosed his problems and instead of treating him for schizophrenia, they treated him for alcohol abuse. He was sentenced to 16 years to life. Periodically, he would come up for parole, but it was never granted due to him not showing up for the parole hearings. Gordon died on March 13, 2023, at the age of 77. Now, on a contrary to that, Roy Haynes is celebrating his 98th birthday. <laughs> Roy Owen Haynes, born March 13, 1925, is an American jazz drummer. He is among the most recorded drummers in jazz. In his career that has lasted over 80 years, he has played swing, bebop, jazz, fusion, avant-garde jazz, and is considered a pioneer of jazz drumming, period. Snap Crackle was a nickname given to him in the 1950s. He has led bands such as the Hip Ensemble. His albums Fountain of Youth and Whereas were nominated for a Grammy Award. He was inducted in the Modern Drummer Hall of Fame in 1999. His son Graham Haynes is a cornetist. Another son, Craig Holiday Haynes, and grandson Marcus Gilmore are both drummers. So at least it's a little bit in the family. Another story that happened this week is that Rick Allen, the drummer of Def Leppard, was attacked outside of a hotel in Florida. Allen was in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, to perform a show with Molly Crew. They're currently touring together uh, this year as well, because last, last year's tour went so well. The report says that Allen was smoking a cigarette outside the Four Seasons uh, near the valet when Max Hartley, age 19, who had been hiding behind a pole, ran at the musician and allegedly knocked him over. The fall caused Allen to hit his head on the ground, causing injury. In addition to Allen, Max Hartley then allegedly attacked a woman who ran out from the hotel to aid Allen. Max knocked her to the ground before repeatedly striking her. She was able to run back to the hotel, but was followed by Hartley, who allegedly grabbed the woman by her hair and dragged her outside, according to the report. Max was arrested later after fleeing the area. Police said he was found by Conrad Hotel staff nearby while he was walking through the parking lot, allegedly damaging vehicles. Once arrested, he was charged with one count of abusing an elderly or disabled person without great harm. Scott K. Fish, he was a former writer for Modern Drummer, and he's released a two-part interview or discussion with Neil Peart on music and writing. Scott shares the audio interview he conducted with Neil Peart for the April 1984 issue of Modern Drummer magazine that featured Neil. Drumming News Network is excited to be including a weekly post exclusively on our site. Scott K. Fish was part of the original team that created Modern Drummer. 
He started as a freelance writer in 1976 and was the managing editor of Modern Drummer magazine from 1980 to 1983. By the time he left in October of 1983, he had written almost half of Modern Drummer's feature articles. His interviews and articles were enjoyed by readers and artists alike. His questions were not run-of-the-mill. As Bill Bruford puts it, your questions are about life beyond the symbols. And of course, that is the name of his blog. Scott K. Fish is a public relations, writing, marketing, and communications expert across all media with a 25-year-plus track record in high-profile positions. Scott is an extremely active blogger and often posts the original interviews with the artists that he used as reference for his articles. We encourage you to follow Scott's blog at www.scottkfish.com. Some other exciting news for us. We will be at NAM this year and we'll be providing a daily video review of each day. We literally have no idea what they'll be, but they will be full of discussions with companies, featuring new products, and maybe even an artist or two. If you're going to be there, be sure to say hi if you see us. We will also be attending the Chicago Drum Show, and we'll be covering it with, again, a daily video follow-up. But leading up to the event, I have been conducting a series of interviews with a number of cymbalsmiths that will be featured in a panel at this show. Symbol making by hand is a growing movement, and to me, is the beginning of a new boutique symbol market as we saw in the early 90s with the explosion of boutique drum manufacturers. As usual, I ask that if you have a story you feel we need to know about, an artist we should feature, a drumming event you want people to know about, suggestions or feedback, please email us at feedback at drummingnewsnetwork.com. You can also send a recorded message, and we may even play it on our broadcast. I encourage you to visit the stories I spoke about in this episode to find out more detail about them. For the story about the passing of Jim Gordon, we included a link to where you can see a list of most of his recordings that he has played on. It's an amazing achievement that only a very few drummers have been able to experience. And once again, I encourage you to follow us on social media, like us, follow us there, as well as visit our website daily, drummingnewsnetwork.com. And please continue to spread the word. It's really been beneficial and helpful, and it really means a lot to us. Again, we have so many exciting things coming around the corner, so it'll be, it's going to be a great year. Once again, thank you so much for your time. Until next time, see ya. This has been a production of the Drumming News Network. All rights reserved. All media is owned by the respective parties. This episode cannot be distributed or copied in any form. Please visit drummingnewsnetwork.com daily to keep up on all the latest drumming news. Copyright 2023.